Shannon Miller at Lizard on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And we have set for ourselves a somewhat Herculean task today. It is a lot. Ben did, Ben, I, I owe a, 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 great debt of data, a great debt of gratitude to because you did a lot of prep work for this. Um, not, a, not a great debt, like a, like a minor debt. It's not like a sandwich debt, which still needs to be paid. <laughs> I only have one sandwich left. <laughs> it's been sitting there. On the on the warmer plate at Arby's for God knows how long. Well, you don't want to eat it if it's been on the plate that long. Uh, it, it'll hold up. It's quality, <laughs> quality meatless. Ben, wasn't it so nice when you got surprised by it last time? It was nice, but I, I don't want to wait another like six months <laughs> for my surprise sandwich. So I'm going to keep slipping in little nudges that uh, it still needs to be given to me. <laughs> Ah, so actually, so getting to the point of what we're doing today, um, two years ago, before this podcast was even a humble glimmer in our eye, I think, had we been doing this podcast, were we doing this podcast at that time? I don't know. Don't ask me about my memory, Liz. I know. I know this is a terrible idea. We might have been. I think so. Point is, we've done a hundred and some episodes. Yeah. So we're like on the cusp of two years today. Yeah, so um, basically, uh, in t- in the summer of 2015, when we were all so much younger and innocent, Ben and I attempted to rank in a- a- by quality all of the Netflix original series, uh, you know, opening sequences. Right, not ranking the shows. We're not talking about what shows are the best. We're talking about the best opening titles for each Netflix original series. Now, the hilarious thing about this list in, in, in the year 2017 is not the ordering or what we, the choices we made. No, those are sound. No, the, the truly amazing thing about it is how many, are, how many original series were on this list at that point? Correct. There are actually, <laughs> I mean, I wish there was a way to do a guessing game with the audience. So just in yeah. your mind right now, take a guess. What, what was the year again, Liz? 2015. Wow. So young and naive we all were. Um, the leftovers had had just begun. Um, most of you dismissed it because you were foolish. Ben, how many on the list, Ben? There were eleven. Yeah, eleven. Yep. The same number as the amount of hand towels that Monica keeps in Friends. <laughs> Different kinds of hand towels. You guys are getting some guest, peak ben. fancy guest. Ten seconds. Ah, uh, I don't know. Eleven. He's taking a shot. Oh, I screwed it up. All right, I'll let it go. All right. Oh, good lord. In case you're wondering, You're shooting with 11? This is why you're not allowed to drink Coke. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So anyways, there were 11 on that list. Today, the list is substantially longer. Ben, do we have an actual exact count? No. But we will by the end of this podcast. Because right now, what we are going to do is we are going to go through this list that Ben has nicely compiled, and we are going to add it to our original list. And for because we do not at all expect you guys to remember what was on that list originally, here is the cur- here is the order from worst to best. I, you want to alternate reading this out loud? Sure, just like uh, when we were when <laughs> Rachel and Phoebe were making a an, an audio recording message for their machine at home, and they kept trying to trick each other and just taking the the best words. Seriously, new ban on you drinking Coke during the podcast. Never. <laughs> All right. Uh, our, our lowest rated one was Hemlock Grove at 11. Marco Polo. 
uh, followed by Bloodline. Orange is the New Black. Lilyhammer. House of Cards. Sensate. Grace and Frankie. Daredevil. And at number two, Bojack Horseman. And at number one, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I like those rankings. They're really good. Yeah, I. the one thing I'm thinking, I would think, is I might, in this day and age, swap Bojack and Kimmy Schmidt. I mean, it's a good it's a good discussion worth having, and we will have it. Yes. Uh, but for now, I think it's good to illustrate kind of the, the, the way that this list kind of came about, I think the best way to exemplify how we built it at the time um, was, was let's, let's call it compromise. We agree on certain things, we disagree on certain things, but we adamantly disagreed over one of these, and that one was House of Cards. So that's why it's at number six. I love House of Cards. Liz hates it. I think the opening is, is beautiful, and I can watch it endlessly, and I love the music. Liz thinks it's, it's boring. Well, Liz, just tell me what you think. Buildings. There are a lot of buildings there in are. it. Yeah. Um, here's the here's the question I have. The the one thing. Okay. Do you know if they've switched out the buildings? Like, are there new buildings this season? No, it's been the same buildings for five years. Okay, because for some reason I was watching it the other day, and the buildings looked a little different to me, and I liked. I, I found myself liking them slightly more. But otherwise, no, the buildings drive me crazy. Well, these are the, this is the, an interesting idea of, of how we judge opening credits, too. It's a good way to talk about it because sometimes they'll lull you into a sense of acceptance. Sometimes you might watch it once and think, oh, that's stupid. I hate this. There's no way I can watch it 13 times. And, I mean, Netflix now has the convenient just skip the— you Skip intro. Which is, I think, a, a shame, and it's a horrible thing to do. You should at least be paying attention to see if those credits are saying who wrote the episode and who directed the episode. At the very least, you should be paying attention to that, so don't think, skip them. I think uh, the Master of None credits are should be unskippable. Right. I would, I would strip. I would strip that. Which we'll, which we'll get to pretty quickly. Yeah. But uh, point being, there are a lot of different ways to assess uh, the credits and the value of these credits, and we will get into those as we dig through all these specifics. But uh, the way in which we decided on putting House of Cards smack dab in the middle of our list at number six is the way we're going to approach the rest of these in that we are going to start with the ones that Liz and I both love and hate, mm-hmm. and then we're going to work our way through the rest. Yes. So Liz, do you have one from our new entries list uh, that you absolutely love? That I absolutely love. Let's go with love. Um, I'm going to say, and I feel like I'm, I'm cho- choosing a safe one. I'm choosing one I know we're on the same page with, Jessica Jones. Yeah. I actually was surprised that, that wasn't on our own list because we talked about the Jessica Jones credits at some point, like at least in the office or whatever. Oh, like we've we, talked about them a lot. Yeah, we love them. They're great. Yeah. it's It just it just wasn't out yet. Yeah. We didn't have Jessica Jones yet in the summer of 2015. Right. But I would easily put them in top, uh, put, put Jessica Jones in the top three, probably over Daredevil. Yeah, I'm more than fine with putting it over Daredevil. All right, we're doing that. Jessica Jones. That's... Now keep in mind, folks, again, we're going to adjust these once we get all the way through it. So right. we're going to we're gonna go with our gut right now. We'll make adjustments as we go along, and then we'll finalize. You can read uh, all about these as well as watch the opening credits on IndieWire.com. Uh, as soon as this is up, hopefully a post will be right behind it, if not up as well. So. All right. What's one? What's one that you really enjoy? Uh, I'm going to start with one that I really hate, Liz, because I want to oh. go to the bottom of the list. Sure. And I got to just get this out of the way right now. The newest entry of <laughs> Netflix original series, Gypsy. It is a terrible show, and to accompany it is a terrible opening credit sequence. And what is perhaps a, a, a major flaw in the Netflix scheme of trying to get good reviews, no matter what. Uh, they did not allow me to skip those credits when I was watching screeners, so I had to watch those goddamn gypsy credits about six times, and they are excruciating. I mean, it is 
It's just like broken glass, falling all over the place. You're looking at weird reflections of Naomi Watts sitting in her chair doing nothing. And the the song is... The song is Stevie Nicks recording a new version of the Fleetwood Mac classic Gypsy, which is maybe a little on the nose there. Um, Yeah, and I I hate besmirching Stevie Nicks. Stevie Nicks is great. Okay. But... I was a little worried about you and you 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 not liking Stevie Nicks. No, but this is this is such a it does not set a tone for the show. It does not it doesn't fit it to to kind of transition between episodes. It doesn't repurpose you in in like your mind from where something ended and where it's beginning or or and there's nothing to it. It's very generic and I hate it. Okay, here's my question for you. Do you hate <laughs> it more than the Hemlock Grove cl- credits cuz those are pretty bad? It's, it, this is the hard again. This is the hard part about ranking in general because this one's so fresh. I feel like my hatred is is you know boiling right now. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Hemlock Grove has has gone to a, a well. A Hemlock Grove is also notable that in that we weren't we weren't ruthlessly covering every Netflix original when Hemlock Grove was airing. Yeah, when we made the list, I remember having to go back and watch them, like find yeah. the credits and watch them because I didn't remember them at all. Yeah, like I've I've seen like approximately twenty minutes of Hemlock Grove. Yeah. Um, and in total. So the fact we didn't have to watch it, does that make it worse or better? Like, these are complicated questions. Uh, the fact we didn't have well, to watch it before 13 episodes of the show. I don't think I don't think whether or not we've seen the show should be a judgment or how much we had to watch yeah. it should be a judgment. I was just mentioning the fact that if Netflix was smart, they would have allowed me to skip those credits or delete them from, from the screeners. But right. um, I don't think so. I think I think it might be a little bit better, if only because Stevie Nicks is better than than the sh- the show and these credits deserve. So maybe it's right. right above. So it's Hemlock going Grove. between Marco Polo and Hemlock Grove. Yeah. Um. All right, Liz. Another one you're passionate about. Pick your poison, good or bad. Netflix uh, original series. I I feel like I, I'm I'm interested in in chatting this one, with chatting about this one with you. But I really responded to the 13 Reasons Why credits. I thought they were a great example of what you should do with a binge show. You should make it short. You should make it fast. You should try to capture some of the personality in under 30 seconds um, and add some information. And I think all of those, I think that, you know, those quick cards setting up which tape number it was did a really nice job of that. Yeah, they're fine. Uh, they're, they're, they're animated. It's short. If it was longer, I think I'd have a bigger problem with it because it's it's brief, which is always right. a good thing to me unless you've got like an Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt or a BoJack kind of song-visual combination. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I wasn't particularly taken with it, but it's it's certainly fine. Looking at our original list, I'm looking at something. I'm looking at it around the Lilyhammer place. Like I feel like Lilyhammer has a very – as one of my – you know, I feel like you and I – Honestly, like you and I didn't fully agree on Lily Hammer, but I really liked how quickly that one moves, and it's a little longer than Thirteen Reasons Why. So maybe I'd rank it slightly lower, just because I think it Thirteen Re- Well, the Thirteen Reasons Why it doesn't have as much substance as Lily Hammer. Hmm. Like Lily Hammer tells the story of the show very succinctly. Um, you get the nice transition from New York to uh, Scandinavia. Um, yeah. Okay. I would rank it between Lily Hammer and Orange is the New Black. How does that work for you? I'm okay with that. Okay. So I'm going to go do that now. Uh, ben, pick one. What's the next one for you to discuss? All right. Well, thematically, that leads me to one where I'm not particularly passionate about it, but I think we it's worth discussing based on what you just said. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mystery Science 3 
Mystery Science Theater 3000 oh, return yeah. opening. It's very long. It's, it's very long. It's a minute and a half. Yeah. Um, but it's fun. Like it's got a it's got a kind of a it's got a catchy jingle to it that's completely expository. But there's cute little visual story that goes along with it. It seems fairly harmless in that uh, that song is not going to get stuck in your head and, and ruin the rest of your life. Um, oh, you you are. Oh, am I wrong? I mean, as a longtime Mystery Science Theater 3000 fan, I can tell you that if you're wondering if it eats or ble- breathes or other science facts, just repeat to yourself, it's just a stove, so sit back and relax. That sounds terrible. All right, well, that just knocked it down a few pegs. But otherwise, I, I rather enjoyed it, and I am not an avid watcher, so I don't know how much it holds up on repeat viewings, but it seems a lot more forgivable than others that are long to me, like others that feel long to me. Well, it's not a minute and a half of swirly symbols and people's names. Like you see, you, you, there, you know, it's like it's an introduction to the world of the show. Um, it's good. The song, the song is fun. I like that song. Great. You know, it's it's yeah. a. Even though I totally screwed up the lyrics, there are hardcore MST3K fans who are like, "God, Liz, p- total poser." Um, but in, in my recent recitation, but uh, I think the having seen all the entire run of Mystery Science Theater. Um, I can tell you that it's a little, it is, it doesn't change. And it, so once, well, after about two or three viewings, I was definitely ready to skip past it. But it also, the fact that it exists and it exists in the length it does, which basically matches with the original show, also matches with the entire concept behind the show, which was we are going to try to recreate the original MST3K as closely as we can in the year 2017 or it's an interesting point, though, because if you're watching the original show, it's something where you'd likely catch it at random on TV. Mm-hmm. So you might yeah. need that opening to kind of understand what you're about to see. Yeah. Whereas everybody who's watching this on Netflix, they don't need it. How many episodes are there? 13, I believe. 13 times? Maybe maybe more than that. That might be too much. I mean, it, it, it was too much for me, frankly, but also uh, for the hardcore. This is a project where... Um, I feel like I feel like it's more forgivable that they really tried to p- cater to the hardcore fans because the hardcore fans paid for it. Right. Like this was funded by a multi-million uh, Kickstarter campaign, um, and the fans wanted the old show back in a new capacity, and they got it. And so, critically, I know that's not probably the best approach, but well, no, I mean it's definitely something to factor in. It'd be like if uh, you know they they bought Friends brought it over to Netflix, and then the credit sequence was gone, I'd be pissed. I love when the Friends theme gets, kicks in. They use it really, really well. It's a nice punctuation mark on right. a lot of jokes. So um, anyway, all right, so are you thinking middle, lower half? Like, what are you thinking here? I'm thinking between 13 Reasons Why and Orange is the New Black. Okay. That would be, that, that feels like a ranking that feels comfortable to me. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's move in on it. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I think the best the best part is like that middle period of watching it, of watching that theme where you just start singing along, um, and it's fun. It's a nice. It's a, a, the musical elements of Mystery Science Theater three thousand have always been kind of their strongest. Yeah, even if it doesn't catch you kind of every time, if there are those moments where once every couple episodes the, the theme kicks in and you get a warm hearted, right, excited feeling in your gut, that's good. Um, real quick before uh, Liz picks another one here, I'm going to mention that the these shows do not have opening credit sequences or their opening credit sequences have been negated. Right. Uh, so the, the 
Joe Swanberg series Easy does mm-hmm. not have opening credits, right. so it is not on here. So we're not going to discuss it. We're not going to. It's not going to be a part of the list. We're going to leave it off. Well, um, how about but how about something like The Get Down, which find has a consistent stylistic choice in how it introduces the name of each episode, um, but doesn't have a full on. Never has like a full on opening credit sequence. I don't even remember what you're talking about. Like then there's just a subway cars roll by or the graffiti. Not every time though. Not every episode. No, that's only in the first episode. But there are other episodes where they introduce the name of the episode. And no, some... well, maybe not in the first half. I went back to check to see if I was forgetting anything, and I watched three episodes. And they didn't have anything in the beginning at all. Okay. They had like the they have the opening credit like kind of just like the closing on black screen white letters, uh, Netflix original series produced by blah and then it just starts mm-hmm. others just start right up okay um, and they don't come back to it at all so. i feel like do you feel like the opening narration at the very least maybe that's what i'm because that's not to. always there either Ugh. so i am I'm, I'm eliminating you, stuff that's inconsistent all right I'm, I'm eliminating anything where it's not you've chosen this to represent your show every episode so okay. if it changes that's fine master of none like we talked about it's something that's consistent it changes but it, this its presence is there no matter what yeah so right. we're not we're cutting the get down uh, the OA is the same way. The OA has like a nice kind of opening in that first episode that's beautiful, and uh, but it's it's part of the narration. Same with Girl Boss. Mm-hmm. Uh, Girl Boss is uh, has they, like a title card. They just do well. They and even sometimes they don't do that. They just have it like pop up right. over some things while you're watching the the general scenes play out. Sure. Uh, so those are off the table. Um. Yeah, uh, let's go to one. Uh, let's go to one that I feel like uh, you and I are both on the same page with. Uh, even though it's there's not a lot, we didn't get a chance to really sample a ton of it because there are only four episodes of this show. Um, but with Bob and David, uh, had a really s- a stunning little piece of animation that opened every episode. This is the sketch show that was not a Mr. Show sequel, except it totally was a Mr. Show sequel. Uh, Pope's uh, created by Bob Odenkirk and David Cross. Uh, but they enlisted an artist named Syriac uh, to do the credits. And Syriac's been working online doing crazy animation for years and years. Um, and he really did not fail to come up with something really dazzling and eye-catching. It is. Um, <laughs> it is it's bonkers. It's a... Uh, it has an effort behind it. I, I find it incredibly charming. Um, and, and to me, it even without seeing all of the episodes, it sums up the vibe of the show very well. Yeah. So I, I, I enjoy it quite a bit. It's also 22 seconds long, so it's it's pretty short, which is always a good thing, especially for comedy. I think that helps. Um, so, yeah, I'd be I'd be happy with that being... Where would you rank that? I, I, don't, I feel like I'm doing a lot of the ranking. I definitely wouldn't put it any higher than Grace and Frankie. Wow. I'd but... probably put it above Sense8. I'd probably put it right there. Okay. I like that because it is like I and you know before you before you guys start accusing us of favoring the short ones over the long ones remind you know there is an element to that of that but our top two are long ones I mean Kimmy Schmidt what what is that at I don't know but it's long yeah Uh, Bojack's long too Bojack's long too Uh, Jessica Jones too Jessica Jones is long too yeah so you know it is sometimes we do like the short ones that punctuate things sometimes you know we just want to keep it moving it's all about the vibe gotta fit in with that tone gotta match the show um speaking of ones that we just adore 
um, that are over a minute long. Ben, I feel like you have some stuff you want to say about Fuller House. Last place. Dead. It is worse than Hemlock Grove. That song and that show is poison to the human soul, and it belongs in the gutter. It just just set it on fire, and I, I literally, like, I, I, doing the due diligence to prepare for this, I pulled it up, and I was like, I can watch this again. I can do it. I watched 13 or whatever fucking episodes in season one. I can watch one more minute, oh, like minute of this opening thing. I couldn't do it. As soon as it started, I had to pull the ripcord before that song kicked in because I knew it would be stuck in my head, and it's agony having that song stuck in your head. Agony. So that's a punishment. Um, that is, and, and the the in this case, to me, the homage to the original is not worth it. Uh, both of the song and kind of mimicking the the bullshit people standing next to their name vibe of the '90s. Uh, I, I no, it's awful. I hate it. So I, I this may be my bias of watching too much of the show coming in here. So Liz, feel free to try to make this a little more objective, but. No, I, I loathe it. No, while you were talking, I went ahead and just put it at the bottom of the list. Great, love so it. We're all Excellent set. Choice. Uh, yeah, we should. We should. Let's see. Um, what do you think about? I'm just throwing out. I'm gonna pick up this one. Uh, Stranger Things. Uh, perhaps the most controversial <laughs> of the lot. Stranger Things, as a series, became an obsession and. For, for America. For America. And the, the titles went along with it. There were a lot of, there was that Stranger Things title generator where you could put whatever words you wanted into the Stranger Things font and, uh, like what? I've like seen, I've seen t-shirts. Coming up to, yeah, I mean, it's a thing. And I mean, part of it just embodies the, the love for the show. Uh, but I do feel like there's a, a lot of love for these credits. I like them. I like the music. I like kind of the the homage factor i like the simplicity but i don't love anything about it so Mm -hmm. i'm i'm more in like the maybe right above house of cards vibe i mean for for me i think basically what it comes down to is it so perfectly captures what they're going for in terms of tone and in terms of what they're referencing that I mean, I could go as high as uh, I, I could. I could rank it above uh, Grace and Frankie, but I don't mind. I don't mind keeping it kind of in the middle, just because it is. There is one thing. It 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 is. It is not very. It, it it doesn't have as much action as I maybe would like. Like, or it could be slightly tighter. It's it is. It could easily be tighter. I think there could be actual more uh, kind of pizzazz to it to to make it feel like a like authentic to the decade. And like a, a proper homage to the films that it's it's referencing, um, but I'd also just put out there the idea that creating an homage to something gives you a starting point. You you pick the thing that you want to imitate, and you hit it. The music itself, I think, is more admirable in the sense that that that's a harder creation to to imitate something and then and then, but not be redundant about it. Not not just copy it you know very bluntly but in terms of the title sequence I, I, I I'm not as impressed by their ability to recreate nostalgia and mimic emotion uh, from the 80s as I am the Bob and David people figuring out a way to strike a tone in a very creative visual manner uh, uh, without any precedent for it like without anything right to go off of so maybe maybe above sensate 
but below with Bob, with Bob and David? Sure. All right. Cool. Got to remember how much. I think probably one of the reasons why this is going pretty smoothly, guys, and Ben and I just enjoying talking this out, is that the real fights we had were when we did this list originally were House of Cards and Orange is the New Black. And oh, Orange is the worst. <laughs> no, it's not worse than it's not worse than Bloodline. It's not worse than Gypsy. Um, but I, <laughs> I will say I have. I've been on a I've been on a season on a Orange Is New Black rewatch. Uh, just kind of I kind of want to I'm binging my way through the sh- series as a whole and kind of in in hope in in the hopes of kind of writing something about season five. Now that we've had some time to think about it, uh, and it it I am hitting that skip intro button so freaking hard every time. Like oh. it is. I mean, before I used to just know the exact time code. It's one twenty one approximately one nineteen. If you want to make sure you get every last second but you know yeah it's always interesting when you're watching on tv you can really tell if you don't like uh, a credit sequence when like you're laying on the couch and a new episode starts and all of a sudden you realize the credits are about to begin and you just start scrambling you're like where's the remote i gotta hit the button i feel like i feel like if you put an ekg on me when i was when i'm binge viewing there will be like a spike of adrenaline yeah. every 50 minutes or so yeah it ruins your nap all right i'm gonna go through a few of these that i think well I, i'm gonna go through a few of these in a quick fashion sure. that I think are bad. Okay. Uh, and you can start an argument or just lop them in anywhere near the bottom of that list. I okay. don't think they're as bad as the worst ones we've got on there, but right. I do think they're definitely lower end. Right. Iron Fist. Liz accompanied that sound with a thumbs down motion, just so you know. Yeah, I mean, he's literally, it's a minute 10. It seems like it's kind of just ripping off Daredevil, but with like black gooey movement things instead of the blood-like red that seeps over the letters in the Daredevil opening title, which is is cool. This one looks ridiculous, and it doesn't seem to tie into anything in the show other than this guy, like Liz says, this guy does kung fu. But also, it seems like it's trapping him. Like, it seems like when he's fighting, which is supposed to look cool, all of these big black swirly motion things that create that's the mystical kung fu stuff but it's creating like literal like circles around him that he can't move through like right. he can kind of keep kicking a little bit but he's tra- anyway they're bad um, um can, I, can i please read what i wrote in my review sure um the problem with iron fist can be identified from its very first moments specifically in how its opening credit sequence compares to the other series in the netflix marvel universe Daredevil's eerie, viscous drippings reveal the conf- various conflicting forces in Matt Murdock's life. Jessica Jones is a moody stroll through Jessica's New York, haunted by her demons, and the landmarks of Harlem Ripple will cross Luke Cage's body as he delivers a hell of a punch. Here's what happens in the Iron Fist opening sequence. A dude does kung fu. It's mystical kung fu, clearly, and he starts off doing the kung fu in a forested area before eventually moving to a city, but it's a dude doing kung fu. And over the course of season one, that ends up feeling like all the show has to say. So, I, I mean, I... I would put it, I could easily see it, easily below Gypsy. Mm, fine. <laughs> That's hard for me to do. Uh, all right. I mean, I know, but it's just like, it makes me so mad because it's such it's such a waste. That whole show is such a waste. Okay, next one. I think you're associating with the show. We don't want to do it too much. It does embody the show well, in what you, especially from what exactly. you just read from your review, but that's almost a plus you know in a weird sick way gotcha um all right next on the list uh, i don't think you're gonna agree with me on this but i think love is pretty bad i think the thing with love is that love always reminds me of the opening sequence from uh man seeking woman which is a lovely oh. adorable opening sequence Good i don't point. i'm not a big fan of loves just because i feel like 
I've seen it done better, yeah, essentially. Which you literally have, because Man Seeking Woman's is, it, it also changes. Yeah. Man Seeking Woman's is inventive. Love is the same thing. Exactly. Like, it's, it's, it, the, the best thing about it is that it's not too long. And I really don't like that music. Like, that, yeah. when that music kicks in, it ma, sets ma, a ma, bad, ma, 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 yeah. it sets a very bad tone for ma, me, so. ma, 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 ma. Uh, all right, dump love down there somewhere. Uh, all right, I'm gonna go to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep it between. I'm gonna put it between Bloodline and Marco Polo. Okay. Uh, next up is Flaked. Flaked is also. <laughs> bad. Yeah, your note on this is really funny. It it, lo- it literally does look like a fake show. It looks like the opening titles to a f- to to a parody show that you'd see on Thirty Rock. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm good with Flaked. Uh, I would say Flaked is worse than Love. So, yeah, I would too. All right, so let's put that. We're gonna put it lit between love and Marco Polo. Right, Marco Polo still. <laughs> oh, Marco Polo. Um, so what do you want to do next? Uh, one day at a time. Yeah, let's talk about one day at a time because I I struggle with this one. Um, it, one day at a time is a show that I really enjoyed, and I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would, and it was a fun binge. And there were moments when I'd be I'd catch myself watching the opening titles, which are, um, you know, it's got the the a play on the original theme mm-hmm. of the show. Uh, the song itself is fine, um, but there's also and there's 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 kind of more realistic imagery than you see in the sitcom itself, like a lot of kind of arty angles and stuff chopped together. That's I mean it's it's good. Um, there is something about it that I don't like, like that I just, it just rubs me the wrong way. It made it difficult to keep binging. It was one of those triggers where I'd hear the song and I'd want to stop. And then as soon as it ended and the episode began, I was pretty happy. Like I really enjoyed it. There was just something about the the, the vibe of that opening credit sequence that did not mesh with the show. And I, I, I admire what they're trying to do, I think, with the, with the, the imagery that isn't adherent to a sitcom and that they didn't try to make it, you know, just a a replication of all these other sitcoms that have come before, or uh, I don't know if it's a, if it's an homage to the original or not, but it just rubbed me the wrong way. So I really struggle with this one because I really like the show and I don't have anything specific about the titles that I can point to and say, they screwed this up. It's literally just an instinctual response. Don't know where it comes from rubs me the wrong way can i i have this is my perspective on it um i feel like it's a little too jolly for the kind of the tone of the show um and i'd agree with that except like i i can see exactly what you're saying the only problem i have is i i literally felt better like i felt happier when the show was happening no matter what they were doing mm-hmm. than when that title could pops I, up i think there's there i i don't know like it, it i i definitely like you would skip over it as soon like as soon as I could like to just get to the actual show um it bothers me that I I can't figure out what it is no it's it's interesting like I think like maybe and I like the song the song I mean when I just hear the song that's not bad yeah so just something I mean where where would you like to put it like I I don't have I, I didn't really love it I don't have like a strong opinion about it the way you do um so like I could see it not being above orange yeah, I might I might put it just above. I might put it between Mystery Science and Orange, just because it's. I mean, it's it's much better than Bloodline. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Bloodline. Bloodline is pretty bad. Yeah. Honestly, Love might be better than Bloodline too, but we'll knock that out a little bit later. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, that's fine. And I, anybody out there who has a strong or negative take on One Day at a Time's opening credits, please let me know because I, I, I can't figure it out, and I'd very much like to somehow. Right. Um, and I've obviously watched it far too many times. Um, all right, some of these short ones. That, let's just knock those out because right. they're they're not going to be the best because there's not they're not elaborate enough, but they're not going to be the worst because they're quick and to the point. Um, Santa Clarita Diet. It's literally just the table setting, a plate, the the blood droplet lands as a punctuation for the mm-hmm. eye and diet, and the diet word turns red and you're out. It's ten seconds. Yeah, it's all you really need. But yeah, yeah I wouldn't. I mean, it's, I don't even know if you need that, but it's there. Yeah, I feel like I feel like you you want to. I mean, the important thing, especially because these we're all talking, we're talking about shows that mo- majority of people are going to binge to some degree. I feel like you want that element of punctuation to borrow your word, um, between episodes. I think I think you need that for kind of the rhythm and the flow of the experience. Uh, I mean... Strongly disagree with that, but fair enough. I think the thing I liked about the Santa Clarita Dido opening sequence when I first saw it was the fact that it didn't really reveal anything about the plot of the show, which if you remember us talking about the show back last January, like, was something we both were really excited about. Like, the going into Santa Clarita Diet with as few spoilers as possible was the best solution. Yeah, and the, there's something about the animation that's just, like, a little bit cheesy, which kind of mimics the the weird tongue-in-cheek comedy of the of the actual series. So it does, I mean, it does, it is appropriate for the show. All right, so what do you think? Uh, you seem to, you seem to not hate it, you, 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 you you seem to like it more than, say, like, mysteries, you, like, one day at a time, certainly. Um, yeah, I mean, somewhere, I mean, yeah, where you're at is fine. All right, so the right below Mystery Science Theater. Yeah, and we don't, yeah. Um, all right, so let's do, let's do Dear White People. Um, I want this, I would like this near the top, because I, I really... I really like this approach to creating to creating an opening sequence. It's very very short, but it's different every time. And every time, what it does is set up, get you ready to experience someone's new point of view, and uh, which is something one of the things that Dear White People does really well in its first season. So I would I would argue for it above Grace and Frankie, like between Grace and Frankie and Daredevil, which I can see moving down Daredevil, by the way. I don't know. I, I I actually disagree a little bit. I, I love what it does, but it's very easy. Like, it's it's very obvious. Um, there's not a lot to it. It's very brief. It's more about the timing of when it pops in than anything else because sometimes you already know who the episode's about because of the actual narrative intro, and sometimes uh, you, you may not, so then it's more important that they frame it that way, but it doesn't, like, the actual title is is informative in a sense like that but it's it's quick it's easy like it's literally just somebody sitting there in front of a a wallpapered background with the title on it um and it doesn't give me i can if i'm remembering right it doesn't show it doesn't say who wrote or directed or anything like there's not a lot of no that all comes that all comes at the end um so i I mean i like it but I, i i find it hard to justify putting that artistically tonally above something like with bob and david even because that has such an ambitious right no, I, see I see you're, you're making very good points uh so maybe like somewhere in the sensate area yeah so between sensate and house of cards sure all right let's do it um next one uh, uh glow is a complicated one we should probably talk about that um 
because it's got an official opening credits that premiered in the first episode, mm-hmm. and, and it's pretty long. And this is one where I think it's better than Stranger Things in its entirety because they take the neon to an extreme where it's got a bunch of different colors. They they combine them to form wrestling ladies and personas, and they like fight each other over the scene as the credits roll. So it makes it entertaining and informative at the same time. Obviously, it sets up both the, the period nature of the show uh, and the characters and the drama, everything about it. Um, it's fun. It's got a good song behind it. But... It only happens once, and then the rest of the episodes are just the title. Like it's it's the it's the title from that opening, but right. they don't repeat the same long opening. And I don't know if you need that, but I don't really know how to judge this right. Well, I think I mean we're we're because we've been talking about not just like the artistic, the artistic elements of these opening credit sequences, but how they fit into the show's stra- viewing strategy as a whole. And I think honestly, with Glow, I think that I like that strategy a lot. I think that makes a lot of sense, and so I think. Putting it, I, I would I would say based on a the fact that that's a great it's a the first the first run of it is really great you're watching it for the first time you're really enjoying it and then you you get like the brief visual reminder of how much you like the opening sequence because the because the you know the, like as you say the title card matches but yeah I like I like it high up I I think I I would I think on those levels it works really well I also think it might be a warning in some ways of of kind of what's to come for opening credit sequences in the Netflix era because the the skip button is going to be so prominent people are going to use it it's going to it's automatic in a lot of places um, yeah. so they may just be not putting in the effort anymore of even bothering to include them in some of the episodes I mean people have been calling saying that the that opening credit sequences are going to die ever since lost so I don't know if I fully believe it but I see the I see the I, I see what you're saying certainly um, where do you want it I'm I'm fine with putting it like right above Stranger Things. Okay, let's do that. Um, and let's uh, really quickly uh, do uh, really quickly do uh, let's see uh, Master of None. Actually, no, that one that one's fun to talk about. Uh, let's say just let's just put the ranch here down in like Iron Fist territory. No, nope, no deal. <laughs> see, the ranch is actually a great opening title uh. sequence uh, because it it kind of has this this well actually it has a very melancholy tone to it. So it, it, it's, it's a country song that just starts playing out, and it talks about how cowboys are, they're not easy to love. And, and this is a, a resonant theme, and it actually exposes what the show is really about, because the title doesn't fit with the Ashton Kutcher comedy. Like, it, it doesn't fit with that vibe, but it absolutely belongs to Sam Elliott's story. Like, uh. his story of trying to figure out a way to exist in a modern world and to... to keep his marriage alive and keep himself happy and, and make his family happy and be more open and honest. and I, It's this tragedy of an American farmer, and it fits with that. The only problem, really, with the opening credits of The Ranch is the infuriating way it ends, where all of a sudden it's just like they just kind of quickly turn down the volume and it just fades away. And it's it gives no... Like it's, like it's, it's almost as if it's a totally cheap and lazily done opening sequence for a cheap and lazily done op- show. No, not like that at all. That's that's a, actually a terrible description of what I was trying to say. It's like they tack, It's like they got to the end and they didn't know how to cap it, and they wanted to include more of the song because it was so important to the mission of the show. But they knew they couldn't, so it's like fuck it. We this is killing us. We just got to stop. Right. And it it is. It's it's a bad transition for every episode to to 
start with something kind of beautiful like that and then just suck it away and start from scratch. But the titles themselves, I have a lot of respect for. Mm-hmm. Wherever you want, man, I give up. Oh, great. Number one. Nope. <laughs> I, I, I take uh, back my giving up. I'd put it at like, whoo, maybe right behind House of Cards. Oh, God, whatever. It's the middle of the pack. Right. All right, fine. Fine. I'm not typing that, though. Oh, okay. You're typing that. Meanwhile, uh, let, let's, while we're at it, uh, Lady Dynamite. Yeah. I mean, it's short. It's, it's quirky. It's, it's goofy. It's, it's very lovable. Um, it's innocent, but it's also kind of, kind of crazy, which yeah. I enjoyed. So, I mean, I, I like it. I don't love it. I don't, I don't know how memorable it is, but mm-hmm. it's, it's. I, I actually have little memory of it before okay. refreshing for this. Yeah, maybe middle lower than. Yeah, between Lily Hammer and 13 Reasons Why? Uh, sure. All right. Um, all right. We're almost done here, I think. Yeah, we got to wrap this up. Yep. This podcast is taking forever. Sorry, it guys. Is. I know you don't like listening to us. That's why you keep tuning in every week. Yep, it's a problem. You guys really need to get over. Uh, Liz, give me, your, give me your call on Luke Cage. Luke Cage... Luke Cage is good. I like. I think the best quality of it, best part of it, is the music. I think it doesn't have quite the. It's not quite as haunting as Jessica Jones was. Um, it's certainly it's a hell of a lot better imagery. than Iron Fist. What? It's got good imagery, like the, yeah. the iconi- iconography. Iconography yeah. is good, but it's also not. <laughs> I know, ironically, as strong as the character himself. Like, there's not. Uh, Luke Cage is a strong guy with a, with a strong personality, and the show is pretty distinct. I don't feel like the titles are that distinct. I, I, I didn't watch the show over and like I didn't watch more yeah. than one or two episodes, so I don't know about it, but it, it didn't. It's not memorable to me. When I rewatched it, it was like, okay, but I don't know. I just didn't have a very strong reaction because, to it. Because we're compromising, if I was doing this on my own, it'd be above House of Cards, but because we are doing this together, I would put it between House of Cards and The Ranch. I mean, so many things would be above House of Cards if you were doing this alone. Oh, yes. So that doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, but I feel like conceptually, like the ideas are similar to me. I feel like you're just trying to squeeze more things in front of the ranch. What would make you say that? Well, that you're petty and and just like where to would do you put it then? Oh, behind the ranch. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you so much. I'm doing that. This is the last one. Nothing goes. Nothing goes above. Nothing goes above the ranch. Uh, below the ranch. Without... Oh, we might have. We might have a disagreement coming then. What's wrong? Uh, well, Narcos for one. Nah, Narcos actually. I'm not a fan of Narcos. Like, I like it fine. It's a minute thirty. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> I like it fine. There's some. The imagery is nice. I like the theme song better than some of the others on this list. Uh, I, I like the song itself. I don't think the song meshes with the show. Not really. So I, yeah, I, I didn't real. I liked the creative visuals that they implemented. Um, a lot of kind of. 3D rendering stuff, which was cool to see once, mm-hmm. but definitely not something I need over and over again. So yeah, I'd put it below Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yeah, that's fine. Um, and between in, in Santa Clarita Diet. So Ben, I think we only have two more left, like or three, three more. Yeah. Three more. Okay, quickly. The rain, the Crown. All right, The Crown is also one that I think is very average, except for the music. Right. The music is so good in The Crown. <laughs> Bravo, Hans. But um, it's literally just, it's, I feel like they're, the more I watch The Crown and the more I think about The Crown, 
the more I'm convinced is that it's that it's it's a composite of the Netflix algorithm. I think a computer made it. <laughs> because the opening titles to me are a direct ripoff of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Like with the spinning, it, it just the spinning crown and the forging of the whatever. Um, and they were just like, we need something with cool, badass music and really pretty looking special effects. Mm-hmm. And it has to be prestigious because this is a prestigious drama that's built to win Emmys. And that's exactly what they do in this opening credit sequence. But it's still incredibly boring. Like the, the music is all that you need. If you, it's, it's a perfect opening credit sequence. So when you need to go get a snack from the kitchen, but you don't want to stop, you know, like hit pause or find the remote right. or whatever, you can listen to the music and that's all you need anyway. Right. So in that sense, it's great. But it does irk me that it's kind of... Looking at this list, I would put it, it's, it, based on those comments, I would probably say it goes below Narcos. Maybe above Narcos. Oh, it's above Narcos. It's above Narcos. It's honestly very similar to House of Cards in my head. Yeah, but you like the buildings. You know, it do. doesn't sound like you like the visuals on this one. Well, it's what, well, it, what's rubbing, well, yeah, they're less inventive. It's, it's less, less of a challenge. Do you want it between Lady Dynamite and 13 Reasons Why? Even though this is... The, the, the metrics on which we are evaluating these are very instinctual, as you can clearly tell. Like, uh, Yeah, that's fine. All right. Well, God, that is tough. Because you're, I mean, you're, you're literally talking, like, with both of those, you've got short little intros that are good, set a good tone, and then this one is, it's a little bit too long, but the music is great. Right. All right, we'll come back to it. That's good for now. All right, series of unfortunate events. Tough one. Very tough. I mean, the, the, the pace is really good on it. If, to my yeah, memory, tells like, a story. It changes things up ever so slightly, each which time. I think honestly is always a big metric, a, a big plus for me. Like I keeps your eye attuned yeah. to what's Be- going on because it, because it, because it is different every time, like to some small degree, which is something I really want to do a list of opening credits that constantly change because I always I, I feel like it's something that people may not be paying attention to, but they should because it's always neat when it happens. But on that basis, like I'm looking at the top ten. Uh, like maybe maybe between maybe between Stranger Things and Sense Eight. Yeah, that works. All right. We're being so nice to each other, except for the ranch. Yeah. All right, and that leaves us with just one more, which is Master of None. Another one I think is maybe a top ten contender. It's so tricky. It's a, it's a similar argument to Dear White People. But they got the stylistic element. I mean, so did your white people. Yeah, but more so. Like, you get more of a sense of tone from the title cards. You get, like, the actual episode title. You get then you then, And then you get entered into, like... You know, so technically, what, we get the episode title in Dear White People. It's just chapters. So exactly, which is not the same. Not yeah, not the same impact. Is that the credits' fault though, or is that just the writers' fault? Hmm. Point is, but then the credit sequence goes immediately into the cast and crew, the cast and writers and directors listing, which and the, the style, the style of those is very deliberately invoking Woody Allen. All right, it's very homagey. Yeah. So, but so that but that tonally sets up something. So they've got a fresh original, and they've got a tonal homage, and they've it also has actual interesting information in it. Like I want to know who's in this episode. I want to know who wrote it and who directed it. So, I agree with that. That's a good point. Um, <coughs> what did also- you think about the? Season two, episode eight, where it was the hour-long episode, and the credits completely changed, oh, yeah. and they opened with the skyline of New York over like 
panning past the Statue of Liberty. I mean, I basically appreciated the heads up that I was getting something different. Like, I feel like that was an important, even though, like, actually over the course of the episode, it didn't feel, like, strikingly different. Like, they'd already been playing with those with those elements. Um, yeah. Based on that, I'll agree with you. I'm, 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 I, I very much enjoy these titles. They're very simple. Mm-hmm. The homage is obvious. Uh, I appreciate the information, though. And yes, I feel like they're very knowledgeable about what purpose they're serving every time they use them. Right. Uh, so I would give them a, an edge over dear white people in that sense. Okay. And because I like both of those anyway. That's fine with me. What about between Grace and Frankie and with Bob and David? With Bob and David, by the way, surprise contender for top 10 that I did not see coming. Yeah, that's fine with me. All right, cool. Um, and so that's it. We, I mean, the big thing right now is, so we've completed this list. If you were ke- counting along, which, God, why would you do that? That was such a silly thing for you to do. Because we're just going to tell you now, we now have 32 titles on this on this, on this this list, uh, from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt to Fuller House. And Stunning. When we publish this, I think we're going to offline kind of do a little discussion about any major changes we want to make, especially given the fact that we're kind of marrying one list onto another maybe there's things that in retrospect feel like we should be we should be rearranging yeah other than some slight slight tweaks in the middle here's right. what i'll say right now to, to start the argument or to get you a sense of where i come down right on the top of this list um i'm okay with moving daredevil down a bit not yeah. too far but a little bit it's at four i'm okay with dropping it a little yeah um one and two at this moment in time I like where they're at. You would want to keep Unbreakable Commission number one, BoJack Horseman number two. Yes. Okay. I don't. I'm not fighting you. I, l- I love them both. Ab- there's something about that song and the way it's presented, and the way it embodies the series so perfectly. Right. And gives you that push every episode. I think it really is just an instantly iconic thing that never gets old. Um, and Bojack is very much the same way, but because it's a little bit more mellow, which also sets the tone. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't, I don't know if I actively look forward to it as much as I do Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, even though I enjoy Bojack every single time. Of but course. that's that's where I'm at. Again, we'll be discussing offline. Maybe Liz will break something. And nah, no, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think I brought it up casually. It wasn't something I was super passionate about. Um, Otherwise, dead last is Fuller House right now, and I don't see that changing. Yeah, I, I don't think I, I don't think I have the strength in me to break you on that one. Do you want to? Um, nah. Right. Nah, I'm good. Um, I want, I want you emotionally sta- stable and healthy for at least another week. That's not gonna happen. I know. Um, the drinking starts now. <laughs> Six days till Emmy nominations. As you listen to this, uh, but <laughs> I think we've done uh, a as nice. As you listen to this, there's. Four days. Yeah, as yes, as we record this. Um, right now, but we're going to change the subject. We're going to try to get Ben's mind off the Emmys. Uh, ben, what was the best thing you watched last week? best thing I watched last week was Ozark, Liz. Oh, and it, a, a very interesting show. I checked out the first episode this morning, and it I proved watched, in- I watched Liz watch it. Yes. You were very excited about me hitting a certain time code, and then you weren't in the room for it. But reported back that I did make the noise that you were anticipating I would make. Ozark is intense, guys. Ozark is very intense. Ozark is also very hard to watch. It is not a show that I will be running around telling everyone they have to watch because it will be too hard for some people. Yep. Um, I expect... I haven't seen a lot of reviews. I expect when they do come, 
that there will be people who adamantly dislike the show because mm-hmm. it's too dark. Mm-hmm. Just like there were people who adamantly disliked The Leftovers because <laughs> it was too dark, and they were wrong. Of course. Um, but this is Jason Bateman's new Netflix drama. Apparently all I'm doing is talking about Netflix this week. Um, it's, uh, it's about a, a financial consultant who gets into a bit of a spot and has to move with his family to the Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a crime drama. Bateman is outstanding, but more importantly, he directs four of the ten episodes. Which is a lot. He's also an executive producer on the show. Um, the, the, the look of this show and the visual setup is is crucial. He it, it's it's like a horror show more than a drama, really, especially in the way that he evokes just utter fear and and belief in that fear, like belief that the worst can happen in a show where you you don't know what to expect. Like you're you're thrown off balance very early, and they take advantage of that throughout. and And it's interesting, kind of how they play with those expectations. But it's it's quite a watch, and I expect people to have a pretty strong reaction when it comes out. So. That's my pick. Liz, other than the Ozark pilot that you watched earlier today, what was the best thing you watched last week? Um, I had the wonderful opportunity to interview Tiffany Haddish. Um, and so yesterday afternoon, I got to basically went on a little Tiffany Haddish binge. Uh, she's, an act, she's an actress and comedian who you should be paying attention to because she's incredibly funny. She has an incredible comedic voice and... Uh, you're only going to see her in better and better things. I think she she's she's already been like in a lot of cool stuff this year, um, like the in, including like a series regular as the Carmi- on the Carmichael Show, which was a show that very sadly got canceled recently. But it's okay because she has a job on another show um, with uh, Tracy Morgan that's going to be on uh, TBS later this year. So she's working like crazy. She's an incredible talent. You saw her in Keanu as basically the female lead. She's in the upcoming film Girls Trip, which is a very solid, fun, female-led comedy. You saw Girls Trip? I saw Girls Trip a couple weeks ago. Um, Oh. Yeah, I went to a screening. It was like, it was a very abrupt thing. They were just like, we have one screening now and one screening on this day that you're out of town in two weeks. And I was like, well, I guess I'm doing the screening tonight. Um, So, yeah, I I had a lovely time watching Tiffany Haddish stuff, and then I got to talk to Tiffany Haddish for half an hour and just like getting to have her voice in my head for an extended period of time was delightful. So uh, I'll just say the name one more time. Tiffany Haddish, watch out. She ready. She is an actress. And she is going to be on a lot of shows. Yes. Uh, ben, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Uh, the next thing I am, the only thing that I can think about at this stage are the Emmys, you guys. Almighty. Yeah, the next thing I'm looking forward to is watching Ben watch the Emmys. I haven't, I haven't committed to the fact that I will let anyone watch me watch the Emmys come out on Thursday morning, July 13th at 8.30 a.m. Pacific time, 11.30 a.m. Eastern. There's going to be some surprises and some mm-hmm. snubs and some craziness. So, And at the very least, you will be able to witness my emotional breakdown, either positive or negative, via Twitter. So, um, Liz... Other than watching me die, what are you looking forward to? Well, when you put it like that, um, basically, uh, I started I started catching up with Insecure, which was a show I liked when it premiered last year on HBO, but I never finished season one. So now I'm working to do that. I'm enjoying it. Uh, I feel like I feel like it's a show that kind of really figures out its voice the longer it goes. And uh, this is from my opinion. <laughs> 
that I get to have because I'm a human being and I don't shake my head and talk over you when you're saying stupid things. So that's actually not true. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, But yeah, Insecure, I think, is a show that I like a lot more than Ben. Um, Oh, that's not true. I just disagree that it, it the voice thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's itself from the get go. Hmm. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's just like I felt like I understood it better the longer I watched it. Maybe that's it. Point is, looking forward to finishing season one. Looking forward to starting season two, which premieres relatively soon. Yes. With another show that I'm looking forward to entitled Ballers. <laughs> Have you watched the Ballers screeners yet, Liz? <laughs> no, they're a delicious treat waiting for me. Oh wow, are you saving them for after the Emmys? I don't know. I don't know when. Like I don't when know do when. I don't, your tweet, I don't know when treat. I'm going to be ready for Ballers, Ben. I don't know when I have to. I, there, there's preparation involved there. That's a question we all ask ourselves. Indeed. Um, but you can read all about that and more on IndieWire.com, where you'll find news, reviews, interviews, features, all the stuff you enjoy. And if you are looking for some podcasts in a similar vein to this one, then make sure you listen to IndieWire's network of podcasts, including Screen Talk with Ann Thompson, Eric Cohn, uh, Turn It On podcast with our own Michael Schneider, as well as the Filmmaker Toolkit podcast with the great Chris O'Fall. Yes, yeah, Screen Talk, uh, Emmy's, Emmy's edition is also happening. Um, and you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. You can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet, that's with an I, Anony. Correct. We will be back next week uh, in some f- emotional state or another. Just dead. <laughs> and in the meantime, you guys, keep watching television. Mm-hmm.